nine o'clock. Hi, welcome to In the Trenches with Andrew Taylor, where we talk about millennials and this crazy world they're adulting into. Hey guys, welcome to episode number 12, where I have the opportunity to interview Derek Bowles. Derek is a founding partner and current program director of Crossroads Academy in Ogden, Utah. He's a licensed clinical social worker and also a primary therapist in that program. Derek's been a mentor to me over the past year since I got the chance to know him. I've really enjoyed a lot of our conversations around millennials, especially young men, and how to approach and work with young men. In this interview, he talks about the importance of being savvy and that the way you approach them is has everything to do with uh, being able to reach them. Uh, Derek has fantastic hair. We do talk about it at some point in the uh, interview. Uh, he's an avid fisherman. You will find him on rivers anywhere in Utah, any time of year. And he's one of the very few people who's ever seen me throw up. He was in Costa Rica a couple months ago. We went fishing and it wasn't pleasant. Let's just leave it at that. Um, Derek and I get into flow, adventure, sports, um, being savvy, and also addiction. He's got some really good insights on addiction treatment, as well as good advice for millennials. So I hope you enjoy the interview and have a good time listening. We had a good time chatting about it. Uh, Derek, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate it. I am... Man, I got a lot of questions for you, but let's just definitely start out with your background and what what got you into your career. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so definitely uh, started. We started in this process maybe eleven, twelve years ago. Um, it, was, it was a pretty cool experience. I met Sam Sam Dolan at at uh, graduate school and and became friends and and left school and kind of went our separate routes. And, um, you know, he, he went to work in the industry and I, I went into private practice. And I think as, as kind of happens in life, you know, your skill set and kind of your passions kind of take you ultimately where you need to end up. And, and in my private practice, I, I found that almost ultimately my, my whole caseload became, you know, adolescents, young adults and, and specifically around, you know, addiction and, and life transition and, and some of those things that, that young people face. And so, you know, by, by just, I think the, the way it's supposed to work, you know, through, through my skills and some of the, the talents I had, and I ended up really, really connected and working with, with adolescents and young adults. And, and that kind of took me on this, this journey where we're at today and, and ultimately led me to to reconnecting with Sam and, and, and ultimately starting Crossroads and, and our program and, and, and developing what, what, what we've done today. So, you know, I think through, through, through those things, it's, it's landed me where I wanted to be. What made you want to be a therapist? You know, like it's some of those cool things that, I don't know that I ever had an, another choice. Like I know a lot of people go through a, a whole process of kind of figuring out what they're going to do in life. I mean, I kind of knew 
honestly in the seventh grade um, before I even actually knew what it was that a therapist did. You know, I had some of those experiences where, where both adults and friends and people say, oh, you should be a therapist. You have, you have this ability to kind of connect or whatever. And, and so I didn't even really have another choice, honestly. And, and a lot of the, the experiences I had, you know, in my, my life as, as often happens, family origin stuff kind of led me towards, towards ultimately being a therapist. So I never had another plan. I just, this was going to be it. And, and, and so I just started on that path in, in school and, and through some, some feedback and meeting with some counselors and stuff kind of got directed towards the, the LCSW route and, and kind of ended up here, not even totally knowing what it was going to be. And, and then ultimately, obviously through, through those experiences and, and it, it led me to, to working with young people. So yeah, it was one of those cool things where I just didn't even have another choice to be honest with you. That's pretty cool. You're lucky. Not everybody. I, that was not my path at all. I think my guess is about 30% of young people sort of know at a younger age what they're, what they're going to do. And the rest of us yeah. just have to flounder, man. So you're, you're lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then well, my, I think that, sorry to interrupt. I think it benefited me in the sense that some of my, my deficits, right. Some of the things that I probably would have struggled with had I, had to search things out I, I could probably still be searching honestly you know like it was almost like if if I didn't know what I was going to do it would have been a, a much more difficult journey for me school-wise and career-wise and and just temperament-wise I I think just having no other choice kind of landed me the fastest most direct way to to then be able to to have that entrepreneur piece that always thinking about what's next piece kind of play out within this field as compared to just my life as a whole. Why do you think you're good with adolescents and young adults? What is it that, that attracts them to you or makes them, makes it easy to connect with them for you? Why do you think? Yeah, I think my, my strongest skill set is to be able to help people see clearly their process more than the content and to be able to articulate that to them in a way that they understand it. So the things that, that the reasons why, you know, the, the chain analysis, what's happening, I, I feel like I can, I can help adolescents and young adults see that in a way that they can't even see and articulate in a way that makes a lot of sense to them. And so I think I see their lives or help them see their lives in, in a way that, that really brings meaning to it, understanding insight, connects the dots. And, and I think that's, that's what allows it to be so successful. And I think when you do that with somebody, when you, when you're compassionate and you connect with them and, and they feel that, and then you help them see insight and connect dots that they couldn't, that that really creates a, a relationship that's, that's pretty unique and, and, and ultimately what helps them navigate some really difficult stuff. And so I would say that's by far my strongest skill set is to, to see things clearly and then be able to articulate that in a way that, that they may understand that um, to, to make some benefit in their lives. Cool. Plus, Plus, I got cool hair, and if you got cool hair, it's, 
<laughs> the, the, well, the, I think there's something to that cool factor, right? When yeah. you're connecting with yeah. adolescents and young adults and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to say you've worked with hundreds, thousands of millennials at this point in your career. Uh, I would bet we're close to that six, 700 range by now. What do you, what, in your opinion, what is it, what is it? about these millennials what what are you observing about what they're struggling with what they're dealing with and the realities of being a young person in this day and age yeah i mean that's a, it's a great question i think i think there's a couple sides that i see one i want to talk about maybe a little bit about the positives that i see you know i, I have a 20 year old daughter um and I look at I look at some of the things that she's doing, her peers are doing, you know, kids her age, and it literally blows my mind what these young people do, just in the sense of of education, you know, being in high school, what they have to do just as far as the requirements and and to excel in high school. It blows my mind. My daughter did more in in high school learning wise than I did probably in all of college. Like her study habits and her desire to be successful. And it's not just her. I mean, it's her friends and her, you know, that a lot of millennials are overachieving um, in a lot of ways and have a ton of drive, a ton of desire to be successful and, and to educate themselves and to learn um, to have a desire to see the world, you know, you know, they want to travel. They want to, they want to have experiences more, more, at times and even consumption. Um, and so there's some, some amazing things that, that millennials are doing that, that are, are unbelievable. And, and on the flip side, and even with my daughter, there are some things that, that I think are particularly challenging. Um, you know, I think consumption is one of them. The, the, the amount of, of things that that these young people have had and been exposed to the comforts that they've lived in has been like no generation ever right i mean that this our generation is one of the first who kind of outpaced our parents you know in the sense of comforts and and we live better than our parents lived at a younger age um meaning my age 45 is much better off than my parents were at 45 and that's kind of the first time in almost you know the history of our country or the world that that we outpaced our parents and so these kids have grown up with comforts and access to information that 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 no other generation has ever had to deal with and with that has has come a lot of problems you know um certainly technology is one that that there's a gap between how fast it's developed and how much we we've, we've been able to keep pace with it um both morally and values based wise and and consumption wise and so so there's some certain certain challenges that this really bright intelligent driven generation has to deal with that 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 has created you know some difficulties for them and and really being able to be successful in it. And we're ill-prepared as a culture and a society to have matched that growth and, and, and to be able to help them navigate that. We're catching up with them as much as they're behind. Um, but I, I, I think we have some answers. I think there are some, some really good things that are happening to, to help, help them navigate that. There's certainly some real, some, some real difficulties that, that, 
expedite that or to make it more difficult in the sense of the drugs and access to drugs and and some of those things as well so i think it's a it's a very unique problem that these young folks are dealing with complicated by some really cool things that are happening both culturally and in our world that that have made it a pretty unique challenge for both them as well as you know the professionals and adults and 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 people trying to help them kind of get through this you know, it, it's funny as you talk about the comforts that they've had. And I think Gen yeah. Xers, you and me in that Gen X category yeah. and older generations, we love to blame them for the comforts. Like, you've had it so great and you're ungrateful <laughs> yeah. and all these things. And millennials are just kind of looking around going like, hey, it, like, I don't, I, it is what it is. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but we're taking a, right. lot, of, we're taking a lot of flack for it, right? And I don't, I think yep. there's a lot of, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of unfair sort of dumping on millennials and, but there's a lot of cool things that they're doing and a lot of, you know, a lot of things that they're capable of because of the times they're growing up in. And, you know, talking about your daughter being, you know, being such a high achiever in, in doing all these, you know, doing so much in school and in, in travel and all these all these things. It, it reminds me of a quote I heard from Martin Seligman. Um, he says something like, it's like some idiot raised the bar on the average human being with this generation. And you've got to be everything. You've got to be it all. On the one hand, that creates a lot of opportunity and excitement and energy and creativity. On the flip side, and I'm sure you're seeing this too with a lot of your... Oh, sorry, there's some uh, construction going on outside. I don't know if you heard that. Um, yeah. I'm like, man, is the building falling down? Um, yeah. But uh, I totally forgot what I was saying. Oh, the, the, you know, there's creativity and innovation and all of these things, but then we're also seeing a lot of pressure, right? This pressure cooker. Yeah. Of, like, I've got to be everything. And if I'm right. not, I'm totally failing as a human being because I've had every comfort, because I've had every opportunity, because everything has been handed to me on a silver platter as the older generations are telling me, and I don't think that conversation's helping them at all. No, I agree. And so you said, you said, Hey, I think we have the answers and I'd love to hear your thoughts on your approach with these millennials and how to support them. The ones that are struggling with the pressure and the ones that are kind of falling apart or the ones that are just sort of limping along and going, man, adulthood's way harder than I, than I anticipated. What what do you what do you think those answers are? Yeah, I think I think at the core, like a couple a couple things that I look at is that I think, <clears throat> first of all, from a parenting standpoint, <clears throat> as a professional standpoint, we we have to be much savvier parents, right? We have to be uh, better communicators. You know, we have to understand information better. Um, and so I think that information's out there. I think there's, you know, in the mental health world and understanding things like anxiety, OCD, you know, certainly some of the issues around sexual identity and, and gender, we're, we're, we really do have some good answers and some, some good insight on, on how to help. And so part of the answer is, is connecting those two things, right? In the sense of the information we have, how do we delineate that to to these young people, um, which means we have to do a good job and be savvy clinicians, parents, um, professionals, teachers, educators, doctors, um, 
in, in helping them recognize that process of, of what we just talked about, that, that, that they have a unique and unique opportunity that they come with phenomenal strengths and some pressures and concerns and worries that, that no generation has had to face, you know, in the way that they do. And so it's, it goes back to some of that skill set that I talked about that, that seeing the process, helping educate them around that process is really important. And so, so as they struggle with addiction, as they struggle with anxiety, which is, you know, we know kind of going through the roof and in the sense of just the diagnosis, right. And, and certainly what they're experiencing, it's really as, as the adults or, or whatever we want to call that, that level, we got to educate them. We got to teach them about that process and, and give them skills on how to manage that and, and, and not be so reactive to it or punishing or, you know, I mean, one of the things that I, I, it, it just blows my mind is this idea of everybody walking around talking about how participation trophies are, are the biggest problem, right? Like kids, we gave out all these participation trophies. And so that's why kids, no, nobody wants to win anymore. I mean, it's the biggest cop out in the world to me. Like, I think it's such just ludicrous, you know, that, that somehow little plastic trophies affected this, this generation. This generation needs validation. They need connection. They need encouragement. They need a sense that, that it's okay to, to just engage and try and be part of that process. And so, so to me, I think, you know, through those relationships, through those connections, is how we're going to help these guys. And, and I think when we do, in my experience, when that's what I do, it, it, it all changes. They're, they're able to see clear, they're able to, um, you know, figure it out and, and make some steps forward. And, and so I think at the core of it, that's, that's a big piece of what needs to happen with, with this, this great generation. It's interesting just hearing you talk about it right now and, you know, different parenting styles coming from different generations, right? Gen Xers, we were kind of raised by that silent generation that were more duty oriented and, and right. more stability oriented as they grew up on the tail end of World War II. And, and you know, I think we do a lot of sort of like, well, when I grew up and this is how I was raised, it's a totally different world. It is a totally different yeah. game. And as a parent, if you don't know what Instagram is all about or Snapchat or Tinder, you have no clue what those apps are. Yeah. You're, you're behind the game, not as a cool parent, as a parent who can help your kids navigate how to, how to responsibly do this. And you can't just say, well, we didn't have that stuff growing up, so whatever. No, you, I, I liked what you said. You've got to know how to connect with your, with your yeah. daughter. And, and millennials are sitting there going, man, we feel, they feel super misunderstood all the time. Yep. And yep. You know, that technology line is a big one for this generation that so much new has come out. And, um, you know, we get stuck in our old ways. No, you cannot. If you want to connect with your child, you've got to understand the world they're growing up in. And man, they might have gotten bullied on Facebook today. If you don't know what that means <laughs> in a real sense, how are you going to give your child any kind of guidance or advice, right? And and yeah. uh, that's that's a really good point. Um, I'm glad you brought yeah. it up. When, when you and Sam were developing 
the crossroads. What were two or three things that, that you guys said we absolutely have to do? These are these are two or three philosophies or approaches that you said this is absolutely how we're going to help these young these young adolescents and young adult men. It's how we're going to support them. And and we absolutely have to do this approach. Yeah, that, that uh, I love the question in the sense of we we really did have two or three just just fundamental principles that we knew we had to do differently to be successful long term, 10, 20 years down the road as as this generation, you know, we started 10 years ago and and there were a couple of things that we we both saw within our, you know, private practice, Sam was a wilderness therapist as kids were going to programs and and trying to transition. Um you know, one of the things that we're passionate about, and it goes back to this idea of having to be very savvy we, and, and really meeting kids where they're at was that, that we knew we needed to get kids out of the, the, the bubble of treatment, the containment of, of what RTCs were at the time, what, what treatment looked like, which was to isolate kids, put them in, in this confined, controlled environment, really, really control the environment, um, which would be no access to friends, no access to technology, no access to home or family, family origin systems, like really let's move them out of that. You know, and the idea I think was probably born out of some, some success in the fact that, hey, if we take the kid out of the system, you know, create a new system, then they can, they can kind of navigate that or, or whatever the, the idea was. Um, for us, we really looked at that as something that was that was very could be even damaging to kids. Honestly, um, that that we really needed real life exposure while in treatment, um, so that we could best help them navigate what life would look like after treatment. Um, so from the get go, we really wanted to to shift that piece, get kids out of the bubble, have some real life access, whether that's through you know jobs definitely exposure to the family system um meaning that we wanted more visits from parents here as well as kids going home um certainly some exposure to friends and to families you know friend systems at home and even the social systems and social media while in treatment because we really wanted to to help navigate that piece and and it, we knew it would be a harder way to do treatment we knew for sure that this this would be more difficult um, because it would, it, what would, would come with that would be, would be all the problems that come with that, um, or could possibly come with that. Yet we really believed if we could engage that, if we could be savvy clinicians, if we could really go beyond just that treatment mentality or modality and really engage that, that relationship piece that we could, we could really help families long term much better. Um, so that was one of the guiding principles for sure. The second piece for us was definitely to, to kind of try to connect in the sense of if we had to be in treatment, why, what would it look like for us? Like, what would we want to do? What would help us? And, and I think that gave way to, to the boarding sports and the, the adventure-based living that for our own lives, you know, where, where we found a lot of passion, where we found a lot of sense of self, where we found a lot of mood management and self-soothing and the connection in relationships was was by being adventure-based and active and and so we wanted to impart that and to, to help young people experience that as well um and we wanted we knew 
that if we could do those sports with them, if we could go on the mountain with them, that that would then help that other piece more than anything, right? And, and research really bears that out, that when you do something with somebody, when you have, and especially if it's adventure-based, you are going to feel more connected, right? Just the chemicals, the, the dopamine, which is that connecting chemical, like you're going to feel more connected. And this is why families remember vacations more than they remember you know most anything is because when you're doing those activities this is what helps connect and so there was a piece for us that that, that was going to be very important um and so those those guiding principles really kind of launched us on our path and and i think really continue to drive um what we're doing the, the third piece that ultimately you know when we moved to the young adult piece what what stood out to us even more was was the the need for that internal motivation and how to foster that and and the biggest piece that we know in in fostering internal motivation is that that the person has to feel like they have autonomy they got to believe they have a, a choice in the matter and the more they believe they have a say the young adult a choice in every aspect of their life most specifically treatment the more they're going to buy in and ultimately make some of those internal changes and so you know, the young adult program, for, for me, the, the ability for the, the young adult to have a lot of say, a lot of choice, all the way down to how often do they want to meet with their therapist? You know, if you want to meet with your therapist every day, let's do that. If if you don't want to meet with them as often and you, you prefer groups or you, you prefer, you know, figuring out things through, through podcasts or through, you know, whatever it is, what works for you, let's, let's, let's focus on that. Um, and let's help establish that and build that together. And so uh, with my young adults, the, the more choice I can give them in the process is what I'm, I'm super focused on. Uh, I want them to have a big say because that's going to empower them. That's going to help with that motivation. So, so those are some of the guiding principles that have, have kind of helped us through this process. What do you, what do you say um, to the, to those parents or people that are saying, what does skateboarding have to do with therapy, Derek? What, how do you, yeah, what would be your response to that? Or a, or a young man or an adolescent that comes through and is looking at your program and says, so skateboarding is going to help me get healthier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think skateboard, you know, obviously Crossroads has a connection to the skateboarding piece. You know, I would definitely connect the, the skateboarding to all that adventure-based stuff, snowboarding, skiing, mountain biking, rock climbing, um, or, or any really kind of individualized sports. And, and, and it would be much to that same conversation in the sense that, that part, of, part of learning about yourself, part of kind of feeling good about yourself is to, to have mastery, right? Is to, to get good at something, so to feel like you're getting better at something, um, and and so we want we want to help support you on whatever things you can become passionate about or interested in and and the more that you can do that and find some of those meanings in your life the more you can you can have a place where you can go get better at something and work on something and and have experiences around something the the better off you are long term um and that includes things like music or writing or the arts you know whatever those things might be we want to want to help you kind of figure that out in your life and then give you some opportunities and resources to really see if you can engage that and implement it in your life. And so 
for a lot of my guys coming in, they've, they've been passionate about skateboarding. They've tried to skateboard. They've learned how to skateboard. But, but maybe the drugs got in the way. Maybe for the last two years, they've just been walking around with their skateboard and, and they haven't really been getting better at it or learning, learning how to skateboard better. And so, so when we do that, if we give them choice, right, some autonomy, if we don't say to them, well, listen, skateboard kids all smoke pot. Like, you don't want to be around those kids. And, and yet that kid's saying, I love it. Like, it's important to me. You know, we want to give them choice in that autonomy, which builds, which builds that, that internal motivation mastery. You know, David Pink talks about these three levels of, of things that, that, that really help with internal motivation, you know, autonomy, mastery, and then, and then purpose. Um, you know, I've, I watched a kid and, and we've talked about this before. I, I have an office that kind of looks outside my back window out at the skate park in, in, on our property. And I was doing a family call and, and I was on that call for an hour and I watched this kiddo sit back there and try the same trick for an hour. And I saw him rack his shins. I saw him tumble. I watched him over and over and over again, try this trick. Right. And, and I'm like, this kid is just beating himself up. And I saw him chuck the skateboard and get upset. And then I watched him nail that trick. I watched him after about 45 minutes slam. He nailed it. I watched a little, little fist pump he did. And then he went right back to trying another trick. And I, it, it made so much sense to me in that moment what it is we were trying to do. Like to me, that clarified it clearly what, what and why this would benefit young people, right? This is a difficult, difficult thing that he did that he stuck at it. He got some grit around it, right? He got some, some purpose and then he nailed it and he didn't quit. He didn't go inside. He went on to the next thing, which for me really kind of clarified that whole process. And so that's what we're looking for in it. And that's what I would try to help them understand both, both just telling them about it as well as hopefully having them experience that across all those domains, honestly. I love that story. That's, that's, uh, that's a cool story, man, because it's, it's true. We oftentimes with these young people, we're, we're fighting against what they're interested in and what they want to be doing. And the reality is, is a lot of the things that they're interested in or could potentially be interested in, they might be a little dangerous. Okay. That's all right though. But but that's part of it. Right. And, and you recommended me the book, the rise of Superman, which I'm almost done with and have loved every second of it. And he talks in this book about extreme sports, adventure sports, and how in that area, athletes are progressing at a rate we've never seen in any other sport before because it's dangerous because you know and you can manage those risks right you can manage those risks at a skate park we can we can manage those and and help facilitate those but but that's the like that is therapeutic get them off the couch get them out of the office it like you know a 18 or 16 or 21 year old guy isn't necessarily going to respond to sitting on a couch for an hour and talking about his feelings. You get him out on a skateboard and and some crazy, you know, great work is going to come out in that process. And, you know, uh, you know, we're all about that. You are too. And and that's why that, that paints a really good picture for anyone listening out there 
as, as to why. And that's why I ask you that question, because I think for a yeah. lot of people initially, they're like, Gal, I'm, I'm coming to your program because I'm anxious and depressed and I'm addicted to drugs. And, and you, we're going to talk about skateboarding. You know, what does that have to do with anything? Like, that seems so off topic. <laughs> And you and I are sitting yeah. here going, that that is the thing. <laughs> right, right. Like the very thing you've got to be doing. And and I do you want to just talk for a second about the book Rise of Superman and, and flow and what I just talked about and how how that flow does so much good for the brain. Yeah, it's such a cool concept. Like I think I think, you know, obviously this is one that's been researched a ton, the the idea of reaching flow and and what that state does and and yeah, that's a it's a phenomenal book that I think really lays out, you know, the biology as well as what what's happening chemically. Just just all of that pieces. For me, you know, the the idea of the process, right? And I use this a ton and and obviously a, a lot of therapists and you know, we, we understand this idea of what the process is more than content and, and flow to me is the ultimate process, right? How do we reach the state of, of being where, where we can do some really cool stuff, right? Where we're ultimately flow is a, a state unto itself, meaning that, that just the very nature of getting into flow is, is the whole idea of it. Um, you know, it, it increases performance you know clarity right this is what athletes talk about the zone right i i'm just in the zone and and when when you're in that there's a couple really cool things that happen that that i think are really important especially in the context of recovery mood management um development of self you know some of those things you know when when you get into a flow state you know certainly your performance almost becomes dreamlike you can almost predict what's going to happen in a flow state. And so your performance shoots through the roof. When you're in flow, the inner critic shuts off, right? Which so much of young people, we all need to shut the inner critic off, right? We all need to be in a place where we're not talking about what we can't do or all the negativity that's shut off. Get you really are in a state where, yeah, of- you're out of your head. You're in a, yeah, you're in a place where you're experiencing as compared to, to just commenting or, or observing, which is, which is really awesome. Creativity shoots through the roof, I think like 600 times our ability to create. Um, and so, so that's very freeing and, and self-validating. Um, and so this idea of, of looking for that or experiencing that or, or the things that help us do that, um, you know, everybody wants to tap into like this whole book is about how can we, how can we hack this? Right. How, how do we kind of skip these steps? You know, I think, I think in the book, he talks a little bit about, you can get, you can get into that state, you know, through meditation, but it it may take you eight to 10 hours, right. Of just pure meditation. And what if you could hack that? What if you could get into that state faster well, the sports allow for that, um, and he does a great job in descri- describing why and how that plays out. For me, I think you know the more we can be in the process of obtaining that state and and looking for that opportunities, it it does help with mood. It does help with keeping us from wanting to use. Um, it does help with connection and relationships, and so so I think that idea of of natural highs or whatever we want to call that state that the process of searching for that is a big part in most of our lives, you know, and, and those who I think are healthy and connected. Um, 
And so it's, it's a, it's been a fascinating concept. I think it's one that's a little, I don't think it's hard science. Right. And so I'm, I'm a little suspect in the sense of just, I love the ideas of it. I know I've experienced it, but the hard science isn't, Hey, this is it. Right. You know? And so I think it's one of those things that, that we're going to gain more information on, but, but I definitely try to, to integrate it into what we're doing as well as my own life. And I think it's so important when we talk about addiction, especially addiction, because in my experience, a lot of addicts are really terrified to be sober because sober is boring, especially for adolescents right. and young adults, right? They're, they're going, man, you're telling me at 19 years old to go clean, to get sober, to get away from drugs. And I don't know any fun outside of addiction. I don't know any pleasure outside of, of drugs and substances. And it's, it's not a compelling argument. <laughs> you can't just say, well, it's just good for you. Or, yeah, you should trust. I, you know, they're looking at you going like, man, I, I understand these things are bad for me, but the alternative is not compelling. And that's where I think in a, in a good treatment setting, you've got to be able to offer something fun. You yeah. have to be able yeah. to do something fun. And I have this conversation with parents all the time. They're like, man, your program looks fun, Andrew. And I'm like, you bet your ass it is. It's a lot of fun. Right. And it has to be. It needs to yep. be. Um, it's going to be challenging. And, and all the stuff we just talked about is, is part of the fun, right? Landing that trick, doing that thing that you spent two hours working on or whatever. You know, standing up on a surfboard after getting pummeled by waves for three hours. That's fun. <laughs> And, 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 you know, we're missing the point if we think that just getting people off drugs is the goal and the goal is to get them off drugs and give them something that gives them a sense of meaning, um, and, and a, a natural high. We've got to provide those Absolutely. alternatives. So. Absolutely. No, I think you know that I, 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 I'm always kind of almost a little saddened, you know, to be honest with you, when I have have a parents as well. Yeah, this, this looks like a lot of fun. Like I, I don't want to reward my kid. You know, I, I still maybe want to punish him in some ways or whatever it might be. I just, it just, it goes back to that whole millennial piece in the sense of how negative we are at times around that. I just am bummed out a little bit in the sense of it's the greatest compliment. If someone said to me, you know, a kid coming to my program, he maybe had too much fun. I was like, I'd be like, thank you. God, that's the greatest compliment. Like, these kids don't need to be more punished. They don't need to be more, you know, harder on themselves or, you know, any of those kind of things. I, I just, I'm just super sensitive around the fact that a lot of these guys, you need know, just some really cool experiences and as part of that, that bigger piece and, and that that's not always such a bad thing. And so I'm with you on that piece for sure. What do you think are some other misperceptions we have around addiction and treatment of addiction? Well, I think, I think the idea, just as you kind of looked at that in the sense that um, addiction itself becomes the focus, right? I think one of the worst things we can do in the, in the context of looking at, at, at addiction is just to focus on the use itself. Um, the causes of addiction are are really polycausational in nature, meaning that 
that there is not one thing that causes addiction. Um, and that individually for every person, their experiences are, are unique to them as to why ultimately they may become addicted to substances. And they include things like mental health issues, right? Underlying anxiety, depression. They include things like disconnection in relationships or feeling disconnected to others. They include biology. They include family of origin issues. They include um, adoption issues. They include, you know, physical things, you know, injuries or chronic pain. Like the, the, the reasons that people become addicted to drugs are so varied and individualized that if the focus just becomes on the drug use itself, you're, you're really only a, a approaching a small part of the process. And so when someone asks me the question, what, what kind of program are you, or what, how, do you, how do you focus on addiction in the sense of what they're asking is, are you a 12-step program, or your rational recovery program, or you a harm reduction program, or whatever that might be, part of me is like, oh, man, that, that's, that's a one piece of a 10-piece of, of pro process, right? There are multiple areas that we have to address in addressing addiction as compared to just the use itself. And so, so again, that comes back to, we've got to be much savvier in the way that we approach this. We have to address it across multiple domains, um, systems issues, mental health issues, um, education, employment, uh, adventure-based living, you know, uh, interpersonal conflict, all those kind of things. You really do, if you're going to address addiction, you have to address it across all of those domains. And if you don't, long-term recovery is going to be much more difficult. And so to me, part of the misconception oftentimes is just the focus on the use itself as compared to looking at at this as a, as a multi-dimensional process that needs multi-dimensional multi-professional approach to, to treating it um and and that's the piece that i really am and and spending more time and trying to really focus on is that that the the use itself is one thing but the process is is much more important than, than just the content of, of use itself or the lack of use really yeah we've we've talked in the past around addiction and some of the some of the ideas around addiction you know one specifically being that you've got to hit rock bottom to get better yeah. what are your thoughts on that yeah I, I couldn't disagree more i think it's again one of those nice bumper sticker sayings and it's an easy conversation to have with a parent or somebody in the sense of if somebody's struggling to say well they haven't hit rock bottom yet. Like, I just don't even know what that means, honestly, um, in, in the sense of really, if we're addressing addiction across all those domains, we don't have to have kids hit rock bottom to help them, right? We got to take this idea of, of the ultimate destination out of it or sobriety or, or whatever that, and look much more at the process and what is our role in the process. And 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 so yeah i disagree with the idea that that anybody needs to hit rock bottom to ultimately get help and change and specifically as the caregivers or the helpers we don't have to have somebody there to to, to give them help or to to 
to engage that relationship. A parent doesn't need to to disengage so that their kid can hit rock bottom so that somehow now we can move forward. I just think it's a really, it's a cop out and it's an easy way to say, well, I can't, I don't know what to do here. So this kid has to hit rock bottom before, before I can, we can make a change, you know, before he's going to ultimately get it. Well, that's where he's at. If he's not getting it, then our job is just to continue to help him try to understand it and not wait for some experience that, that unfortunately, and just, just truly with these kiddos is rock bottom's death at times, right? Rock bottom is jail. Like kids don't need to go to jail to figure out addiction. Like we can do a better job in helping them through that process, uh, understanding that, that the ultimate goal may not be he's, he's done with drugs today. Um, and so I, I, I have some real energy around this idea that, that engaging the process in a different way is, is much more important than, than maybe some of the ways we've done it in the past. When you're working with young adults or just millennials in general, what, what's, what are the kinds of things you're teaching them? Like right now, let's say, let's say there's a young adult listening, a millennial that's not going to a program, but is looking for something more, what are what are some of the basic lessons that you think millennials need or would benefit from? Yeah, I think I think looking at across some of those domains that, that I've talked about, and I can just start with one, just as the idea of education, right, and, and really helping them see what it means to educate themselves differently, right, as compared to you know the traditional American school system is the excel go to a better college excel you know go to a better graduate school excel and then get a great job excel make more money excel right like like this process of if i study really hard i'm going to get the the better school if i go to a better school i'm going to get the better job if i get the better job i'm going to make the more money it's it's one of the most dangerous processes i think for not just young people but people as a whole and so i would want to really help a millennial understand about how to educate or to learn or have a love of learning much more than the process of, of, you know, attainment. Um, I'd love to teach them, you know, and, and, and help them kind of find out whatever core things they want to do in the sense of learning and being passionate or, or finding real meaning and just learning because learning, you know, whether that's the guy who never finished third grade, but has read books his whole life and, and, can't wait to read the next book, you know, or the person who didn't finish high school but fell in love with working on engines and can't consume enough information about how to build engines, you know, and how to make them faster. And and these kids can do that. You watch what these guys do in the sense of I think one of the things that I see a ton of is, hey, I wanna I wanna I wanna be a DJ or, you know, I wanna mix music. I I, I love working on the computer and mixing music and these kids will devour information and study and learning online. And, you know, I want to, I want to help them understand that that process of learning is way more important than attainment. And that it's in the process of learning that they're going to get a better sense of self, that they're going to develop skills, that they're going to find a niche in this world. And so just simple things like that. I, I want to change the idea of the content to the process and, and help young people learn the process of learning. Um, 
That can be true in employment. That can be true in mental health. You know, understanding the process of anxiety is way more important than me just telling you have anxiety and treating anxiety. Understanding that thoughts lead to mood and, and to a response of the central nervous system and that you have a ton of control over your ability to manage your central nervous system. And so it's just that I think it's a longer, it's a more difficult way of of teaching, but ultimately, if we can help millennials with that understanding the process more than content, they'll thrive. They want that information, and when they obtain it, then the sky's the limit, really, oftentimes for them. And there's never been a better time in the history of the world to access information. Podcasts, right. books, audio. Yeah. You don't like to read audio books. In two seconds, yeah. we pull up on our phones and say, like, teach me something about engines. You and I could both, and I know nothing about engines, but we could have right. that information. Right. And, and breaking out of this, you know, um, traditional mold, uh, I, I agreed. So much pressure and anxiety around the best college and the best job out right. of college. And the reality is, is out of college, man, it's not it's not about the best schools. It's about continuous learning. And I know and for me in my late twenties, that light bulb went off. It wasn't until my right. late twenties that I started picking up books and going, Holy smokes, I can learn about anything I want. And, and that's when I became an avid reader and it changed my life. I yep. love that. Yep. that. That's so true. And I hadn't thought of it before in the way you expressed it, but that that learning Learning how to learn is is crucial. That's that's really cool. What yeah. what are some other things that come to mind? Well, I think yeah, I think I think the next piece that that I see most are a lot of young young people. Really, just people as a whole is is really kind of healthy, connected interpersonal relationships. How do we really? How does a person really connect to another person? And how do you establish lasting, long term relationships? Um, and, and first and foremost, that happens by me modeling and teaching that with them, right? Which includes a, a, a couple different areas. One definitely is that, that initial piece that I talked about, which is that, that validation piece, really connecting at a real level, helping them in their lives in a way that maybe somebody else hasn't been able to help them. Um, that's one piece of it, right? I, again, teaching the process more than the content of how to connect in relationships um you know certainly i think you know just in in the nature of that of, of how does one get beyond their own experience their own self um whether that's that's within their family of origin within their peers within their culture within their religion within their gender bias whatever that might be you know really helping them see the world in in a way beyond just their own egocentric view um the more we can help really anybody do that and and learn how to connect in the relationships the healthier they are um and i would say this is one issue with millennials that that's hard for them they don't know how to do that always and and some are at a great deficit in the ability to connect with others and and i don't think the reasons are are just technology i, I think it gets blamed a little bit on technology but but i think it's it's a combination of 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 different things one one of them definitely is technology but but just really i want to i want to teach young people how to connect to other people in a healthy you know connected way um and 
and I think it's probably the hardest thing in, in, in the context of the work that I do. But once it happens and, and once, once people really start to have healthy, connected relationships, first with their parents and family of origin, then their peers, ultimately then a girlfriend, boyfriend, or, or whatever that might be, that, that's where I see a lot of shifts really happening for these young guys to, to, to really see the world differently and to, to experience it differently is, is to experience relationships different. So that, that's a piece I'm definitely focused on and passionate about. In in what ways do you think millennials need to step up? Um, I mean, you listen. You've been really positive, and I I'm glad. Yeah, and I'm with you. Yeah, like, I think I think yeah. as a whole, our like we are bagging on millennials, and it's not helping. Right. But I do think they right. have to own up to some stuff, and and I'm presenting yeah. on this next week at Yada, and so. Like I'm, I know my thoughts, but I'm curious in what ways, if you had a hundred millennials you were talking to right now, you talked about the learning, you talked about the connection, but if you had to give raw advice for that millennial stepping into the workforce or interviewing for a job next week or starting a brand new job, what are a, what's a point or two you would say, Hey, listen, you got to be aware of this and, and you got to step up in these areas. You know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, I don't yeah. know if you watch his stuff, he's like patience. Mm. I, I agree with him. Like you got you you guys have right. to be more patient in right. your young adult transition. Um, just just you know, tone it down a notch. Yeah, you're sharp, yeah, you have good information, yeah, you've got creativity and new ideas and all these things, but a little respect and a little patience is gonna go a long way as you step into the adult world. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I see where you're, you're at with that. And definitely there are some mindsets around the way that they see the world. And, and I'll, I'll start with that piece. I think we've been telling, you know, young people, I, I'm careful to, to really, even with my own kids to not have this. I think I want to say to them all the time, listen, you, if you put your mind to it, you can do whatever you want. You can accomplish whatever you want. And it's bullshit. It's a lie, right? Like you can't do anything you want. <laughs> like there are some limitations you really have. And and I think we've been selling kind of a spoonful of of the sky's the limit and and you can you can you can be the CEO tomorrow. You know, we we focus so much on outcomes, right? The ultimate that we forgot about the process. And so if if I could really have that conversation, part of it would be I think connected to what you're saying around a patience and add experience to that. Like you don't, you haven't had any experiences yet. You, you're not going to run a company if you haven't, if you haven't had that experience yet. Like you got to have some life experiences, um, both actively seeking them out and pursuing them and, and staying in the moment with them as well as, as the, the, grunge of it the grit of it the monotony of it like you gotta you do gotta get up every day and go to work like you gotta you gotta get through it you gotta kind of grind it out at times and so you know I, I think it's connected to that patience piece but but you gotta have more experiences you gotta you gotta take the time I mean really part of that process you know that I I think was good for our parents was you did work through that job you did do the job for 20 years before you came became the boss maybe if you were 
if you were lucky or some good timing, you know, where, whereas a lot of these guys want that, that, that brass ring from the get go. Like they just, they just, you know, they just believe that they should have that. And, and that's a conversation I would definitely have with them. And that, that experiencing life and, and getting your butt kicked and getting your heart broken and struggling is the gold ring, right? It's the brass ring. Like that is what you want. Like that is ultimately where the joy comes from. And so, so in your need to get to wherever you're going, and this is probably true for, for a lot of folks, not just millennials, but, but it really is through that grind and through those experiences that, that that joy can ultimately happen. So I think that's a conversation I have quite often, you know, and, you know, when a kid's struggling to say, listen, I love that you're getting your butt handed to you right now. Like, I love that you just got your heart broken and not in a mean kind of like a bad way, but what comes from that and the experience you gain and the insight you gain is, is pretty powerful. And so uh, I think again, coming back to process more than content, um, is a big piece in working with not just millennials, but, but most folks, honestly. That was beautiful, man. I love it. Uh, any last comments before we close out? Just thank you. Yeah. I, I appreciate, you know, the, the, the conversation I've always enjoyed just, just chatting with you as well as, you know, really the, the thought provoking question. I just appreciate it, man. I appreciate you. It's very validating to, to, to have that invitation and, and I appreciate it. Well, you've been a great mentor to me. And, you know, as you're, as you're talking, just hearing you talk about, you know, learning and growing and in, in that grind and getting your butt kicked. I mean, that's what you and I talk about every time we get together, right? Like what we're learning about <laughs> running our programs and, all the great new ideas that we have and even the failures we've experienced, that's, that is at the heart of every conversation you and I have had. And I, I learned so much from you and I appreciate that. And, and so I, was, I had to smile to myself just hearing you talk about giving that advice because you and I are very much in that process too. You know, that's life. That's, okay. that's, that's development and growth and it's really what it's all about. And I couldn't agree more. We've, we've, We've had this really fun message of be whatever you want. And I love that message. You know, I think a lot of us yeah. limit ourselves, but it's, it's incomplete. Yeah. It's not all there. We've got to include the more important part of that message is, you know, well, you're right. We can't be everything we want. I'm not going to be Beyonce and neither are you anytime soon. Right. Like it's just, <laughs> that, you know, and we don't need everyone to be exactly what they want. We no. need people to be what they're really good at and what they're, what yeah. they are gifted at. And that's what society needs in any quote unquote tribe. And, yeah. and that's really what it's all about is finding that thing that you just, you really rock at and, and making sure you develop it and commit yourself to it and grind it out and make sure that you can, you know, that you grow yourself in that process. That's where the growth comes. And so, uh, that I, I love, you know, just kind of that final point that you made, man. So thanks a ton. I really enjoyed it. And, right, um, I, I will, uh, we'll definitely have you back another day. Yeah. Thanks buddy. We'll talk soon. Actually, don't, don't hang up. Um, okay.